Hi, Single Track Podcast listeners. We're back. We've had a bit of a break over the summer with uh, our podcast recording, but we are back now. I'm Mark, and I'm joined by Hannah. Say hello, Hannah. Hello. I really um, am back. <laughs> and also tech editor Benji. Say hello, Benji. Hello. All right. Well, well, we've got the video going at the moment, and Benji just waved. I did tell him that this was fun. audio, but uh, yeah, he's drinking from the biggest cup in the world. What's What are you drinking, Ben? Tea. Tea. Tea? Yeah, man. Co-op tea, I think it is. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Before we start, because we're gonna, we've got a lot to talk about today, we've got a bit of an interview coming up as well with Tracy Mosley. But before we start on that, I just want to remind everybody who's listening that if you are not already a full member of Single Track, if you haven't joined us, then now is a great time to do that. Um, you would be supporting us. You'd be supporting independent bike journalism. Uh, you'd be supporting the community if you join us. And right now we've got a brilliant deal uh on memberships. If you join us now, whether digital or print, and use the code FREEBELL03, that's FREEBELL03 at checkout, then you will get a free Timberbell. Which is more exciting than it sounds. It's brilliant. Hannah, tell us about the Timberbell. It's a deployable bell. It's like a mini cowbell with a button on it, a bit like a dropper post, or an old school dropper post, and you push the, the slidey button down and your bell goes ding ling 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 and you push it back up, and it doesn't ding-a-ling. And, and so it's great for, like, non-aggressive dinging at people on canal paths, because you just ride along with it dingling, and they know that you're there. You don't have to sort of ping it at them. And it's good for sheep, and works for bears, but we don't have many of them. Not we? really, no. So yeah. anyway, pro promo over. Let's get on with this week's episode. So we're joined by Hannah... Because Hannah hasn't been here for most mm. of the summer. Hannah has been on her sabbatical. She's escaped the UK and she went to the US. Hannah. Yeah. Where tell I us didn't about see that. any bears. Yeah. How, how much yeah. riding did you do? Almost none. Yeah. I've done other things. There are more things to do in life than ride bikes. It's amazing. Where we did were something. You? Well, Where were you so exactly? uh, we were in Utah and Colorado and Idaho. And you hardly rode bikes. Hardly rode You're bikes. in the mecca of mountain bikes. Oh my God, it's really hot at that time of year. Uh, yeah, and who wants to get up really early to go and do something on your holidays? Like, like really early. You'd have to get up at five or six, be on your bike at seven to miss the extreme heat, really. Um, and, and it's much more fun to just go and play in the water, really, so... That's what, we did a lot of playing in water. You were over there long enough. Like, how long were you there? For about six Four weeks. weeks. Four, Four weeks. weeks. Four weeks. That's long enough to sort of absorb the kind of vibe and the culture of the place you're staying. And now you're back in the UK. Yeah. What do you miss most about that? <sighs> well, the warm and the sun and the water. <laughs> Although it has been quite nice since we've got back. Yeah, I don't know. It's very outdoorsy. 
think that's mm. the thing. And I, I, I miss, I didn't have roaming unbeknown to me until I landed when my phone said it will cost you five pounds a day to use your phone here. Um, I, I didn't have roaming, so I had no internet. Um, so I highly recommend going somewhere with very little internet because it means that you have to properly switch off and just do the stuff that's around you. So um, what was the things that you, you now you're back in the UK? What are the things that tea? Surely a good cup of tea. You can't get a good cup of tea in the States, can you? Yeah, I didn't particularly miss it, though. I don't know. Just, just not being at work was quite nice. Yeah, fair enough. Well, <laughs> Sorry. Well, fair chairlifts. I miss chairlifts. We, so the one day that we did do riding bikes, we went to a bike park and went on chairlifts, um, which was good fun. And we introduced my kids to both full suspension bikes and bike parks and chairlifts. That's not a both, that's a all. Um all all in the same trip and kind of well, blew my son's mind. He was all over it like a rash in trying to figure out how we could go back there later in the holiday, which wasn't actually possible. Um and my daughter still doesn't like mountain biking, um, despite it. She quite like riding on the chairs, but she said it's too scary. Um and she did crash, but she was a total trooper because she, she like rode out this corner and managed to land in some bushes instead of in some big rocks. Um, but she was bru- battered and bruised afterwards. But the thing is, no wonder mountain biking scary because she's riding really fast. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually quite good, but doesn't realise it. Um, so, yeah, so they both were totally spoiled. They got to ride uphill, ride uphill on a chairlift. In the sunshine, uh, they got to ride down all these like swoopy, bermy tabletop, um, like easy but fun lines mm. on a pair of full suspension bikes that were very, very nice that we borrowed off of uh, Crispy. Thank you very much, Crispy. Crispy being the first man ever to ride down uh, Rampage. Very good. So, so they were quite nice bikes. This raises um, an interesting topic for me, if I just maybe just interject here. Go on. Which is that we three, we've all got kids, varying uh-huh. ages, mine are all grown up. They have grown up with us while we have been in this job riding bikes all the time. You would think that that would mean that they would be sort of indoctrinated into the ways of riding bikes, but it's not always the case. I know that my two have grown up and now I can't get them on a bike for love and money. And uh, I just wonder if there's a, it's possible to, I wonder what I've done wrong with doing that. And Ben, tell us about your experience, your two kids, are they, where are they at in their mountain biking indoctrination? One's six, six and a half. She's not, she kind of does anything really. If anything, she'd probably grab Scooter, which goes by the name Fire Flame. So that's obviously (laughs) off to a winner as it is. That's a cool name. It is, I don't know where that came from, apart from her. Addled mind. Uh, Ted's a bit older. He's ten. He's only just started to proffer a idea of going for a ride or going on bright bikes. He's never been that fussed before. I don't think. Does he um, enjoy it when he goes though? Is he like really into it? Um. <laughs> I no. think your face is answering that question, no. which is bad for radio, isn't it? No, I don't really. I think, um, I don't know. But then a part of me is like, well, I don't think I went off-road. It wasn't on a mountain bike. It was just I don't know, in the back fields or down the hill or something or in the woods or something. That wouldn't have been till probably getting onto about maybe this kind of age, maybe. Mm. Um, and then the main problem is, um, it's really frigging hard. Mm. Especially around the problem here. with of any human of any age starting mountain biking. It's really frigging hard. Because mm. first of all, you go uphill, and that's hard, and it sucks. Yeah. And then you go downhill, which is hard, and you'll get hurt. If you think you're going to get hurt, you'll come off. So it's like a lose-lose, isn't it? It's really hard to start mountain biking, I think. Mm. And it's kind of assumed that you'll love it. 
and you forget about how gradually he got into it. Yeah. Um, so I think he has kind of said uh, we should go to the nearby woods up the road and do a bit in there. And I think that was probably after watching... I can't remember what World Cup it was. It would have been of all of them. Probably Snowshoe, I think. Because mm. that's quite a lot in the trees and looks strangely British, weirdly, I think. Mm. It all looks a bit sketchy, doesn't it? Um, and then it's about... Funnily enough, he went straight. He went over the bars and did a proper scorpion. So it's like, all right, great. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, mine... Have, I'm not worried about it, particularly. Mine have both grown up with single track while I've been doing this for as long as I have. And I think they got into it in the early stages because they had every opportunity. We were going to events, we were going to have taken them, they've ridden in Canada, they've ridden mm. in uh, the Alps, they've done all of that. So they've had every opportunity to get into it. And they kind of did, and they got to be reasonably good at riding. They weren't really phased. I think they got over that kind of, you're, you're right, Ben, really difficult to get started. And we, as kind of experienced mountain bikers, forget what it's like to be, one, that small, and two, to be riding a bike off-road anywhere. I mean, mm. that in itself is kind of a big deal. But my two, I think, uh, I don't know where, I, well... I've done something wrong or whatever, or they've just gone their own way. I think they might have just rebelled. I think that they might have been indoctrinated into such a culture of mountain biking through through me that they both rebelled. Sam, my youngest, who's about 20, 23, he's, he's into kayaking, which I think is about, I think that's a proper rebellion <laughs> from mountain biking. I don't think you can take up anything that's further away. Just forget the wheels and go no, on water. It's still outdoors. Oh yeah, it's great. I'm not complaining about it, but yeah. I do feel that he's given, he's, he's, he's snubbed his dad by going and starting kayaking. And uh, and the other one, Tom, my eldest. Well, I don't know. He's 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 afraid of sunlight. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he also works for us in the office as well. So he's got every opportunity to grab a bike and still chooses not to. So I I, I don't know where I've gone wrong there, but somehow I have. Anyway, shall we move on? From bad parenting. Sure. Ben. Well, we should we should plug the new issue. Oh yeah, we should. Yeah, yeah. I thought that's where which, that was going. Which will be so by the time this podcast comes out, we will have closed the list for new subscriptions to get that magazine. So you've just missed the issue that's about to come out, and you'll get it at the discount members price, and you'll also be able to get it in online in the pdf downloads when it comes out because it comes out in early october what are you looking forward to most in this issue hannah what's your standout feature this issue uh there is a feature about formation um the women's free ride progression camp um which is quite nice because it's going to be like in the magazine just as red bull rampage is happening and, nice. But ben. formation is not women's rampage, but it's leading the way to it. Cool. Ben, what are you looking forward to most? The next one. <laughs> I don't well, know. You, uh, the best what thing written it... in this one? You've you've done a big group test in this one, haven't you? Yeah, there's kids' bikes, which is interesting. Um and super cute. <laughs> yeah, cute. My two are in that actually, plus uh A another child that we just found. <laughs> and um, the yeah coil shocks, coil rear shocks is the the uh, the main uh, hair puller. Yeah. Uh, on that one. Any spoilers you can hint at with coil shocks? Um, any spoilers? Um, not without going off on one. No, not really. Oh, I all, can summarise it. I can be brief. really good, aren't they? Yeah. They're Go on, all good and they're better than air. That's the. They're all good and they're all very similar. Um, Is this fundamentally because it's hard to vary a spring? <laughs> well, spring there's lots of variation in, in yeah. bells and whistles and adjustments and stuff, isn't there? Yeah, but yeah. fundamentally, all it is is it's a, it's a controlled spring, isn't it? Mm. You go along to one of the shock engineers and say that, Mark. Say I'm not dissing them. Things. I totally agree with Ben. I think uh, coil shocks are brilliant. I think they're great. But yeah, 
Maybe it doesn't surprise me that there's such similarity between them all. What about the variation in price? What was the cheapest one, Ben? Well, they're all without springs, because you can spend what you want on a spring. You can spend 50 quid or 200 in it or something. Um, yep. So without a spring, I think there was one at 300 quid, I think. One at um, 350. Top of, the, top, of the, top of the pile? We topped it out deliberately at kind of a level. I think we didn't go over 700. Hmm. Um, mainly because... It's a funny thing. After that, you you don't get to eight hundred, nine hundred. You go up quite a lot after that, seemingly to kind of four figure uh, Vunderbar things um, that just get their own attention anyway, and they don't need any more publicity. Or I don't think anyone's that interested, and no one's going to dabble with the four grand spring, are they? You've got to be fairly um, convinced to go in there. That one of the th- one of the things I would say about a coil. Shock that I didn't. One of the numerous things that got pruned out because I had to kind of limit the coverage somewhere would be. Um, uh, you can almost put them on for winter, which is kind of what I used to do. Um, I'll probably just keep it on all year these days, but um, just to get more traction out of things when it's winter. It's almost like putting on your winter. The thing that you don't do with your car that you're supposed to. Put your winter tyres on and all that. Uh, but yeah, you can get your bike. When the clocks change, which is not so far off, you could dig out some decent tyres and some coil springs and uh, flail around a bit less. Cool. Now, nice. Ben, mm. each of us has come armed with something to talk about. We mm. were talking to Hannah about a sabbatical. You have decided that you're going to dazzle people through the power of podcasts with the excitement, the unbridled excitement of the fact that you have a new stem. That's right. So, how exciting can a stem be? What have you got? I don't know, I'm showing a video. Um, I've got a Thompson Elite X4. And you could have brought anything to this uh, gunfight. Yes. And... uh, but you chose to bring a stem. I bet Benji was fun in show at tell at school. <laughs> I, I, I have a new pencil. Did we have show and tell? I never used to do that. Do you remember doing that? You were sat down and told. We didn't do any show and tell. <laughs> so anyway, dazzle us with the excitement of this uh, of this stem. It's just a uh, an aid memoir um, about. Um, your bike probably comes with a really crap cockpit. Yeah. You know, stop living with it. Why, it why, why do we Why do we care about crap cockpits? Uh, because uh, that's where your steering is. <laughs> <laughs> why have Why have we lost touch with upgrades on the cockpit? No, it's not even like a cheap bike thing. We got a really expensive uh, bike in the the rack at the, uh, in the office at the moment, and it's. Uh, Considering the bike it is, it's yet again, it's so boring. It's come with a 50mm, maybe even 60mm stem and 15mm rise bars on a bike with a massive reach, loads of travel, and is supposedly XL. It's just like, it's not right. What's not right about that? Just fill us in on, on that. There's a lot of people out there probably going, wait a minute, that's what I've got on my bike. Yeah, well, it'd probably be all right if you're that rinky dink. But um, I just just think um, it's one size fits all approach to uh, cockpits, which uh, patently doesn't fit all. It might fit the product manager, uh, which is fair enough. I did the same if I was in their job, but um, it doesn't mean it's right for you. It'll basically be it just despite what anyone says, you have the shortest stem you can get away with. If it makes it too cramped, then your bike's probably not long enough, or don't make it cramped. But if you can go as short as possible, there's no reason not to, really. So back in the day, because, you know, we're of a certain age, well, I'm of a certain age, you know. Mm. Back in the day, the stem was something that was intrinsically, well, not intrinsically adjustable, but you adjusted it to make the bike fit. But what you're saying oh, yeah. now is that, you know, if the bike is too short, lengthening the stem is not the best solution. Or maybe maybe it's your only solution, but you're saying that's compromised now because you need to have the shorter stem possible. 
see, I don't know, there's the attitude of like um, birching yourself as a cyclist, like you've got to put up with what's the least worst thing I can have on my bike, but the fear of being over-biked or the, the, the shame of being having a bike set up for um, bravado or something, it's kind of like reverse, I feel like people who, when gravity droppers came out or seat QRs came out, wouldn't put the saddle down for some reason. Well, I think I feel that it's weird, there's, yeah, I feel. Well, yeah, just um, try. Uh, yeah, I feel that stem has triggered some sort of catharsis in you, Ben. Is is that it's right? Nice stem. It's also just remind people that Thompson exists, and I didn't realise they even did. Uh, so that's a Thompson stem. stem. It's yeah. uh, thirty mil, which is about as short as you could 32. possibly get. 32, it's about as short yeah. as you could possibly get to having direct steering. And I think uh, how it's much literally, is it? looking inside it, it's as short as you can get whilst fitting in a 35mm clamp bar. Yeah, there's 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 no space, there's no, no. length on that at all, really, is there? How much yeah. is that? No idea. <laughs> See next week's Fresh Goods Friday, or is it this? Or is it it's last week's Fresh it's Goods been Friday? In a few. It's not ridiculous, I don't think. It's, yeah. it's nicely made, it'll be the like, 70 or 80 quid or something like that, I would guess. All right, so to summarise, Ben, if you got an off-the-shelf bike, you'd still be looking at the stem to make sure, as a, as a potential first upgrade, if you weren't happy with the... Um... Tell you what, as a, as a more of a useful point of advice would be get the bike that you like and lean it up vertically against the wall that you're allowed to ride on and mark on how high your grips are and then every subsequent bike you get to do, you get to do, you get to have a go on, or you just get the grips to the right height. Hmm. People do have, whether they know it or not, they have a bar height that suits them, a grip height, even, whatever you want to call it. Hmm. And it's always like, what's wrong with this? And then you end up, you look at all the bikes when you, after you've had them a while and they kind of, kind of coral, I don't know what the word is. Ben's of, waving his arms around. They end up like coalescing, and by the time you're happy with them, you go, oh, right, so the grip is that height that it always should have just been. Yeah. It's just, so it's hard to measure, though, isn't it? Like You need a plumb line or something like that. Okay. I can, probably bring this, I can probably bring this full circle. Cool. I can probably join up children riding and stems in an go anecdote on. from the weekend. So my youngest, my 12-year-old, asked to go to Leeds Urban Bike Park because he likes the BMX track there. Like likes practicing the jumps. Uh, and so off we went. And Kevin, my partner, was on his bike. And there were all these young, cool kids. I would say they're kids. They're probably about 19. Um, and uh, one of them, one of the, there was a, a girl there who was really good. Um, and, yeah, they were, like, clearing all the jumps and everything. And And Kevin took off and cleared the first jump. And these cool kids went, yes, STEM man. STEM man. <laughs> and then he went over the next jump and like slightly cased it and did some sketchy landing. And they went, ooh, STEM man. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and they had clocked that he had a really long stem on his bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I didn't realise it was that important, but clearly if the kids are noticing, it's yeah, definitely it's a quite, thing. It is. Well, it's very shiny and silver and like, like something out of a Cylon spaceship. Stem um, man. He's, yeah, I'm definitely going to call him Stem man <laughs> next time I see him. <laughs> that was beautiful. That's beautiful. Right, we're going to move on now. Uh, we're going to move on. It is the it is post 28th of September. The reason I bring that date up is because that's an important embargo date. And uh, this is going out after then. So if anyone's been to our website, you've probably seen some of the news already. It's about an e-bike motor. Don't tune out. Don't tune out just yet because there's lots to talk about about this. Uh, I've been recently to Tweedlow Festival in Peebles, which is absolutely excellent, by the way, and everybody should go. And I was introduced to a new motor, e-bike motor from Bosch. Didn't know anything about the motor before we went, apart from, I think, Ben, what's it called? Is it the, it's called the CX Six Pro? It's the CX Pro. So it that used to was be, well, not used to be. They're still doing the CX line. CX line was the previous top of the top of the range. Yeah. 
Now they've launched a motor called the CX Pro. I didn't know anything about it till we got there. It was all top secret. Um, there was only two bikes with this motor on that myself and a bunch of other journos got the chance to have a look at. Uh, did take it for a ride, took it for a, a two hour stint around um, Glentress. Um, had to be really, really careful about who could see it. They were so paranoid about anybody seeing it before the launch date. And um, effectively, what it is, is a motor that, whereas the CX line motor in boost mode will give you 340% of additional assist, the new CX Pro motor will give you 400%. Um, so it's it, it, as soon as they said that, it just me and I think every other person there just of a certain age, we were just, our brains were just going, this is spinal tap, this is basically this motor, it goes up to 11, that's, that's it. Um, there's a little more to it, it's all in the report, but I'll try and really quickly summarise. Is, is that the, the most, the, is that the most then, the most mostness of anyone at the moment I or what? don't. Can't be far off, can it? It can't be far off. No, I, I, I don't. I think it's more. It's more than the Shimano system, the EP8, mm. uh, the Specialized Bro system. Don't think. I mean, the interesting thing is, it's not all about power because, despite the fact it can give you an up to four hundred percent assist, it's still, um, it still tops out at eighty-five newton meters of torque, which is the same as the CX line. So, okay. in terms of its, uh, its grunt. Um, it's the same as the CX. The difference is the new system. There's a, there's a couple of things here, and, and uh, Hannah has. When I tell you about how it's being provided to the public or not, I'm sure Aww. Hannah will have an opinion on what's going on here. <laughs> but basically, it's it's a it's designed for racing, which in of itself is a kind of an interesting talking point. E-bike racing. Um, it's it doesn't have an eco mode. It starts at uh, Tour Plus, okay. and then it goes into EMTB mode, which is uh, Bosch's sort of dynamic mode. Then it goes to Turbo, and then it goes to Race. And Turbo does the usual thing of giving you up to three hundred and forty percent, just like the CX line, and then the Race gives it just it gives it all the beans, and uh, and and so much so that in Turbo there's a design feature in it that um, as you approach that cutoff limit. 20 kilometers an hour is it 20 kilometers 25 it's 15 and a half miles an hour 25 25 25k 25 kilometers an hour metric babies um as you approach that in turbo it kind of just gently fades out just to try and not you know sort of smooth out that transition to no power the the the, the proline motor has no cut does not do that it gives you full beans right up to the limit and then it just stops and um, which is, is quite an interesting feeling when you're riding and you suddenly feel like you've just hit a massive headwind. Um, but yeah, so this is actually a, a motor design for racing. Now we'll get to the slightly more controversial part that I know Hannah has an opinion on, which is that when I asked them about the availability of this motor, because I asked them because they made a big feature out of the fact that the bolt pattern on this new motor is exactly the same as the CX line. So my first question was, oh, great. So existing users will be able to upgrade to this, will they? And uh, there were some uh, some funny looks, and then there was a well, technically yes, but they won't be able to get one. They're not an upgrade path. I said, oh right, and they said, and that's because uh, we're only providing five hundred of these motors to each brand, and that's it. And I said, oh, which all brands? No, not all brands. The only brands that are going to get this new motor are brands that have a an official, I think, pro team in the new EWS race series. So the e-bike enduro world series. Only if there is a pro team in that thing will that brand be able to get hold of 500 of these motors. So that's they're making it super, super exclusive. Whether that is down to the fact they can only make 500 or whatever, or as I think we all suspect they're doing something with the marketing here. But anyway, this is this is a motor that's actually 200 grams lighter, by the way, than the previous one, and it gives more power. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be rocking horse shit <laughs> to get hold of one of these, and uh, I suspect we weren't told the prices during the um, during the launch, but I suspect they're going to be really expensive too. You're not going to see this motor on anything other than 
a real high-end EMTB. And we know that's the, they top out at 13,000 at the moment. So you can imagine what it's going to be like when you, you know, the, the prices of these is going to be unobtainium. But anyway, that's interesting, interesting concept that they've built this new technology, but they're actually <laughs> ordinary brands that aren't competing in a race series don't get to have one of these at all. So it, it's kind of interesting. Mm. Hannah, what do you think about that? Mm. <clears throat> I am deeply uneasy about it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more. Uh, well, exclusivity, uh, I think generally, uh, I'm skeptical, suspicious of, yeah. Um, but I am particularly uneasy about it within the context of it being you've got to have a team in the EWS and the EWS is part of the uh, UCI World Cup Discovery Consortium and what does that mean for mountain biking um, and I think that it's potentially like the thin end of a wedge or a slippery slope to keeping brands or people out of the sport potentially um so i can see that the uci might want to develop some new rules about this new sport of e-bike racing and so they keep things exclusive or whatever um but imagine if somebody developed a new derailleur but said oh you've got to have a team uh in world cup downhill to be allowed this new derailleur which means loads of other brands can't access it and it's like when supermarkets merge isn't it and there's just too much power concentrated in one place mm, yes. uh, and uh, yeah so i am uneasy about that and what that means for mountain biking and mountain bikers and the independence of mountain biking and innovation and small brands mm. and that kind of thing. Do you not yeah. think it'll eventually trickle down anyway? It strikes me like this has always gone on and it's just they've told us. <laughs> See, these, well, these are the things that get agreed at Eurobike behind the doors, aren't they? It's just, this has always gone on. But it's it's the it's, it gives bits to who it's always a bit. It, weird, but it's it? not just the oh we're going to do an exclusive deal with this mm. particular brand. It's wrapped up with a particular race series mm. and the UCI, which I'm inherently <laughs> suspicious of. You can probably tell by my voice, <laughs> and uh, and a media group as well. And so, what mm. what does that that concentration of power do for? For people on the outside, mm. like what mm. happens if you're not in that cabal yeah. of people that are doing an EWS race team, for example? So you think um, it's more, it's a case of like, if this, then what next? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, well, it's, it, it, it's, it's really interesting. And I, I guess we've, I mean, Ben's put forward a counter argument there. So we've done, you know, we, have we seen both sides of this argument here? <laughs> I have I have fully flexed the tinfoil hat argument. I think. <laughs> anyway, um, while I was, I don't know, and it, it's racing, and it? it's always, always has just racing has nothing to do with weekend riders, does it? it never no. has done. So mm, weekend well, riders, it, mm, unless you are a purchase, if you're a weekend rider who happens to buy a bike provided by a brand that has an EWS team, you aren't going to get to ride this new motor. The main thing that leapt out of me when hearing about that was like, I can't believe they uh, have the confidence to do it. They, you know, they came out with the first e-bikes, I suppose, didn't they? The old Bosch Oshers, but mm. it doesn't, you know, of all the brands to try and impose anything, Bosch seems like a funny one to do, isn't it? My opinion on this is I'm, I'm kind of sympathetic to both sides of this argument. I, I do feel little uneasy about any kind of restriction on anything to do with cycling because cycling is more than a sport like you say Ben the vast majority of people have got no interest in riding a bike for sport they ride it for fun for leisure to keep fit I, I'm just you know I'm an eternal optimist especially when it comes to technology so I just see this as another development I just think that if Bosch are going to do this then the other brands can't be far behind they can't all limit these motors so the technology is going to filter down I think we will see, you know, technology like this. But 
for me, I was actually a little disappointed when I saw the motor because it was just another, oh, look, we're just making it, you know, we're going up to 11. Whereas for me, I think the, the future of maybe non-sport e-biking, you know, the e-biking we all, you know, we do at weekends and things like that is is actually not going full grunt and maximum power. It's actually going the other way. I, I feel that there's more growth potential in the the semi-skimmed market, as we kind of call it. Uh but anyway, at or this maybe point... like recyclables and stuff like that, like addressing some of the uh, longevity elements of e-bikes, that oh, kind God. of stuff, environmental talk... impact stuff. That would Interesting, be yes, yeah. There's 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 that as well, along with other issues that need to be settled. But anyway, I think this is a good point for us to segue over to uh, a chat I had with Tracy Mosley, who was representing. Uh, Bosch and Trek at the Peebles Bike Festival. And I got to sit down with her for about 20 minutes to have a bit of a chat, mostly about you know how she's doing, but also, but mostly actually about her attitude to e-bikes and where she thinks e-bikes are going to go. So let's, um, let's bob over to a rather noisy arena uh, at the Peebles Bike Festival where I got a chance to talk to Tracy Mosley. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I'm here with Tracy Mosley. Where are we, Tracy? We are in Peebles. Yep. We love Mountain Bike Festival. Yep. 2022 year. 2022. That's yeah. it. Uh, we've uh, been riding some e-bikes the last uh, well yesterday. Yeah. You took us on a guided tour around uh, Glentress, yeah. around the trails there. Um, but before we start on e-bikes, because yeah. that's what I'm going to basically talk to you about. You are ex-world champion. You're you've retired from that. Yep. But I think the word retired is is, is really totally inappropriate, isn't it? I think yeah, I think so. I think when I said I was going to retire, I, I kind of knew that that wasn't like that wasn't stop racing. I guess yeah. it has. I mean, my racing's definitely tailed down a lot. You know, I'm doing the odd one here and there, but I never wanted to kind of you know walk away from the sport and not get involved. So I'm still, I think, busier than ever, juggling so many little different hats, and still have a massive burning desire to race my bike. It's just in a very different way these days with little preparation and uh, and readiness for it. I still just give it all. The mind's very willing. The body's a bit like, what is going on? You're not prepared for this. So yeah, yeah. I'm still loving doing what I can do. Excellent. I mean, I, I remember one of the times we actually in the past where we had a chat. And of all places, it was in Davos. Yes. It was in the middle of winter. It was a snow bike festival, and you were racing on a fat bike. Yes. So <laughs> when you say that you're interested in all kinds of mountain bike racing, it's not a lie, is it? It's not a lie, definitely. <laughs> and yeah, that was something really quite cool to, to do. And yeah, for sure, the only thing I haven't ever really kind of done, I do lots of road riding, but road racing is the one thing that's never really appealed to me. But yeah. Anything else, I'm game to kind of definitely have a go and experience. And... Cross-country mountain bike racing, proper cross-country stuff. You've done that too. I've right? done that too, and that is painful. But there's something <laughs> still quite, I don't know, you kind of forget quite quickly how and you want to have a go again. So yeah, I'll still always do a few of those. It's a good... Yep motivation to get fit to be honest so i remember prince charles once came past our office all right bear with me here and uh, we were over we were on a small balcony overlooking he was walking past us on the canal and he looked up and he went uh, hello he says, what do you do i said oh we're, we're, we're a magazine and he went oh very good and walked on if king charles was to say to you today oh hello what do you do what would you say <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to do it quite so quickly as that. Um, ride bikes. Yeah. Work with bikes. Sleep, eat. All that. Yeah, just 
I don't know, it's a really hard one because job role as well, I have like so many different hats that I kind of take on. Yeah. But I think ultimately it's all to do with having fun riding bikes and trying to make a living out of it at the same time. Yeah. Something along those lines. So yeah, so your business card, would it have a single sentence on it or could you fit everything onto oh, a business card? I could fit everything, yeah. Even my job role at Trek, everyone says, what, what exactly is it you do? And I was like, well, it's kind of like an athlete liaison, but then I also do all the managing the logistics and the, you know, the travel. So there's so many different like hats that I wear during yep. the day, as well as being mum, which is quite a full-time one of itself. So yes, yeah, there's, there's lots of different, uh, yeah, I definitely have no particular one job description, that's for sure. You've been part of bringing along uh, Hattie Harnden. Yes. You've got a team, haven't you? That yes, you've... my little Timo team that's been yeah. going for well, quite a few years now, probably more than 10, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, and Hattie was probably 13, 14, when, maybe even a bit younger, when we first started riding with the, uh, our local club, Malvern Cycle Sport. She's got two older brothers, which are kind of Evie Richard's age. Yeah. So they were kind of riding a lot with Evie, and Hattie was always that younger sibling that was kind of got dragged along. And from a very early age, I realised that she was quite a, a fearless little individual that just got on with riding a bike. There was no fuss, no drama. She just followed, she had four boys in the family. So it was just like, yep. you, know, you either do it or you don't kind of thing. Um, and yeah, so from when about 14, 15, I managed to get like an old bike from Trek. She started doing a few cross country races. And then even at 15, 16, I started dragging her to like the British Enduro series. And yep. I look back now and I think, you know, 50K days, pedaling, muddy, minging. Yep. Like she was just always on my wheel, just follow, follow, follow. Um, and yeah, fast forward another how many years we are now, five, six years, and she's kind of found her niche, I guess, still racing cross country at a super yeah. high level, but enduro is definitely the thing that she feels like that's her strength, and yeah, to go and win back-to-back -back races this summer in, in North America was, yeah. was amazing, it's more Absolutely. than I expected quite so soon, I guess, in her career. So you're, you're, uh, you're a, this isn't just your name on a team, you're pretty hands-on. Yeah, I, mean, I started very much with the youngsters in the local club, I want yeah. it to be people that, you know, youngsters I could actually go out riding with, you know, help out. It's more, I'm not necessarily doing like day-to-day -day training with them. It's more just being that person they can ask questions, yeah. you know, bounce ideas off. Yeah, if I can ride with them. These days, not so much because they're all a bit too fast. <laughs> Both Phoebe and Hattie are, I need to train just to be able to go for a pedal with them. <laughs> um, but yeah, just being able to be there to, to answer questions. And even now I still get the odd phone call about, what do you think about this? Or, yeah. So it's been very kind of like, not structured, no real plan with it. Very, I guess you could say, kind of a holistic approach of just like, hey, I'm here if you need me. Yeah. And just, I think, giving opportunities sometimes, you know, giving them that first bike, opening the door for the Enduro, they open the door with the association with Trek, and yeah. just building those little things. So it's very much more just like creating those opportunities, and they're the ones doing the hard work and, yeah. you know, putting themselves out there and, and, and doing really well. So, yeah, it's been really cool. And it's kind of grown to, I've now got three guys in Peebles, actually. So Crawford, Carrick Anderson, who I used to race uh, with yeah. back in the days at World Cup Downhiller. His two kids are now 17 and 19, I guess. Um, fantastic at cross-country racing. And Emily's actually racing the Enduro here, and she's going off to do a first ever EWS next week. So I feel like she's a little bit of another kind of XC Enduro yeah. multidiscipline athlete. Um, and Jaden Randall, who's was originally from Malvern, has now moved to Peebles, been on the base college course and doing really well as an under-21 Enduro rider. So Timo's kind of moved to Peebles for a few years at the moment. But I think in time, I'd like to bring it back to Malvern and do some more with the club and kind of find hopefully the next Hattie and Evies and maybe maybe some boys in Melbourne too would be quite cool. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I want to move on to e-bikes now because that's principally why we're here. Yeah. Um, you've been around on e-bikes now for, since e-bikes first happened. Yeah, pretty much actually, yeah. Yeah, and uh, of course we all know, don't we, e-bikes are for old people and people who are a bit infirm and, uh, and that sort of thing. That's right, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah, that's why I'm there in my early 40s. No, I think that's the biggest thing for me. I've always enjoyed the different disciplines of cycling. And this was obviously kind of the next new discipline in many ways yep. kind of appeared. Obviously, we've used e-bikes for commuting for quite a while, but the kind of mountain bike side of it, and then obviously the racing evolves. Everything everything eventually ends up being raced. Yeah. I think that's always the thing with e-bikes. I feel like that's that's probably the one thing that people struggle with the most. It's like they can maybe see the purpose for an e-bike in terms of exactly for the older the yeah. older client, someone who basically isn't as able. But I also think it's it doesn't just do that. It brings together people that have different abilities, even if you're you know, you can, if you're not a particularly regular cyclist, you can go out riding with, well, you actually described it, riding with Nick Craig. You know, yeah. being able to ride with an elite person, you're yourself yes. a fit guy, matching those abilities. And it brings that social element of riding together in many ways as well. Um, and I think the racing thing is just 
we're very much in its infancy still. You know, we're finding out how does it fit. People always want to race. You want to develop things. You want to test. You want to yeah. push the limits. And that's what racing is often about. So already we're seeing kind of e-cross country style World Cup racing, which is, is actually a pretty cool format when you watch it happen because then being able to ride you know, up stuff that you would not be able to do on a normal bike. The Enduro is obviously the other discipline. There's almost this adventure kind of world tour, big days out around Tour de Mont Blanc. Yep. So we're already finding little niches of where the e-bike fits in comparison to the acoustic bike. And I think it's just going to be interesting in time to see kind of how those all evolve yep. and where do we find the whole racing thing going. But yeah, there's so many applications for an e-bike. I think that it's, it's really, it, people are pretty naive now to think that it's not for them to try or there's not a place where it could work in their lives. I think everyone could find a place that the e-bike mm. has an amazing benefit, whether it's you know, not driving your car to work, not driving to the local shop, go riding with your kids, just being able to ride with your granddad, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. There, it doesn't have just to be about threading laps yes. you know, on the golfy yeah. more times than you would on a normal bike. There's so many applications and I think that's, we need to look beyond just this kind of like quite insular world of oh, e-bikes are for this person or this person. It's yes. like yeah. most people haven't tried them. And that's basically almost like a yeah, a bit of a negative around it. It happened with 29 inch wheels. It's happened with all these different things. Suspension. That yeah. Everything. Yeah. Exactly. Over the years. History repeats itself, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. no, it's fun, and I think we're only just starting to see what what we can do on them, really. Now. Yeah. So where do you see? I mean, you've been like I said, you started the first e-bikes, and you were on them. You know, fat bikes, you're on them. <laughs> yeah, there's a trend here, Tracy, yeah. that when anything new comes out, you're on it. I think that's just because I've, I, I, love, I love cycling. I love yeah. the sport. I'm passionate about it. I feel like I often end up being in these situations. I don't know why sometimes. It seems like it's just, it just happens. And I feel like I've always been able to give quite honest, like true feedback, maybe. I think that's probably why yeah. I end up being there sometimes. Like having had lots of experience, you can then give a, a fairly broad idea of like, is this a good idea? Is this not a good idea? How should we go about promoting this in the best possible way and making yeah. sure that we're doing it responsibly, environmentally, it's a good thing. We're being nice bike riders, not being that that ass that's on an e-bike, just yeah. ripping past people on an old bike. It's like, hey, I do both. It's okay. Let's just be nice humans and say hi to each other. We're both riding yeah. bikes. All those kinds of things I feel quite passionate about because I, I love the sport so much. I don't want people to pigeonhole, oh, that's a grumpy e-mountain bike. It's like, well, actually, no, it's it's just a, it's a cyclist. It's a biker. Yeah. And it's how you act and you know how you act as a human on the trail, I think is the most important thing. And that's one of the things that I feel quite strongly about, that if I can help make sure people think think about those things, then I'm doing a good good job for the sport that I love. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, silly question. You're riding down a trail on your e-bike and you come up against some walkers. Do you turn the motor down like I do? Well, actually, so you don't rip past them really, really fast? Oh, no, no, so I don't give away that I'm on an e-bike oh, when I go them? No, I, I think... Have you got over the shame? I think I've got over the shame and I still just say, I'm sorry, it's fun. So, I don't know, there's always like different, I'm sorry, I'm cheating. But that whole cheating thing, I kind of think, well, am I cheating? No, I'm choosing to do something differently. But yeah, I, I think the main thing is just being able to realise the speed that you travel on e-bike. It soon yeah. becomes the norm. Yeah. But when you actually realise that that's particularly fast and unusual for someone. I think that's the most important thing, yeah. just to be, just to say hello and have a conversation with someone. It doesn't yep. really matter. I think that's the most important thing. And most people won't even know you're on an e-bike, let's yep. be honest. Yeah. Rule, rule really... one applies, doesn't it? Yeah. Don't be a dick. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we're coming on to, uh, there is a question that has uh, been raised by someone in the office, which was, what did the 15 mile an hour limit on motors? We're getting a little bit technical now. Um, it, do you think that's appropriate? Or what, 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 what are your thinking around that? Because in Europe, obviously, it's 15. But I guess you've ridden bikes from America as well. No, you're not? no never. You've not ridden one that's no. restricted to, I think it's about 20 miles an hour? No, so I, I haven't at all. Yeah. I've not read, ridden anything that's been chipped, de-restricted, whatever you want to call it. I know there's lots of that going on everywhere, each to their own. And no, I haven't. And I think it depends where you're riding it, what you're doing with it, I think. And I think if you're just riding it, generally, for me, it's it's commuting to nursery and back, or now school and back. So yes, it, occasionally I think it'd be nice maybe to be to travel a bit faster on the road, so you're maybe a little bit more along with the traffic speed. But in general, like I tend to try and use back roads. I'm not like in a race to get to school. But I think it's a it's a sensible speed. A sensible speed, certainly off-road. Yeah. I think the roads are different. You know, if you are in that commuting thing, I can see where you would want to, you know, up that speed. But I think 
for the off-road environment where I'm generally riding most, I would say, kind of the technical stuff, then if you're going to go a lot faster than that, then you, you probably do need to be on a Blumen motorbike on a track that's purpose-built for that. Maybe not on a shared-use trail where you can come across someone literally, you know, walking with the horse, you know, with a horse, with a dog, with yeah. whatever. There's, I feel like if you're in that environment, there's a, it's already feels fast. Yeah. Um, and it's allowing you to go that fast without the same effort that you would have to do on a normal yeah. bike. So I honestly think we open a can of worms if we start increasing the speed on an off-road, multi-use yeah. kind of place. Um, I know in America it's definitely a, you know, a problem that they, they're getting restrictions to where they can ride e-bikes. And if we allow that speed to increase, I think we'll have the same issue here in the UK and suddenly e-bikes won't be allowed to go where we can ride a normal yeah. bike. And then what we've done to ourselves, we've properly shot ourselves in the foot. Yeah. You know, we've reduced our access. So I think people that are chipping bikes, I mean, each to their own. I'm not saying that you can or can't, but I just think you need to be very thoughtful about where you ride it and the responsibility that you have um, for everyone else that you're around yeah. as well. So again, rule one. Exactly. Yeah. So finally, just want to get on to what we're doing here. We're actually going to race e-bikes, which for quite a lot of people, probably a lot of people who are listening to this right now, good what? You're racing e-bikes. What? What? How does? How does that even work? I mean, last night in the restaurant, we were talking about the challenges that face e-bike racing. Now we're going to do today an enduro. So it's kind of you know we're going to go from stage to stage. We're going. We're going to, the e-bike's going to get us up the climbs. So we don't have to worry about that. We can concentrate on the downs where the e-bike's not really a, a greater influence. So I can kind of see the the how it fits into enduro. Um, more than I, I, I guess people can see it fitting into other disciplines. So, some of the issues we were talking about last night is about how you standardise things. Yep. And you had you made a very interesting point about being able to carry a battery with you on, on the race. And I know you've got an opinion on that. Yeah. So when I first started, then the kind of the this the world tour, the multi-day racing happened. Um, we were using four batteries in one day so we had one on our bikes we carried one and there was a one halfway change point so all day we had a battery in our backs whether it was full or empty in terms of power you had to carry it with you Um, my biggest concern for that was two things it's safety they're both safety really safety in the sense that suddenly you've got this fairly big weight in your backpack and when you start to do long alpine descents you do you can't help but kind of it lists over a little bit in your bag and you start ended up trying to do corners and you've got this battery like all your weights on your right side and you're fighting this counterbalancing and also if you then do crash you've got a hunk of blooming solid object at your spine yeah yeah maybe it's on the back you've got stuff nice warm soft things in your bag but still there's a piece of metal and often they're quite long yeah. they're potentially you know they could end up in the back of your neck so there's a huge safety issue there so that was one thing i feel like it's been really good in this and being involved in the sport in its infancy and being able to say hey this isn't cool we need to change that so that's something that for those races it's definitely not you're not allowed to do that um and for this race we're doing today the bosch emtv challenge it is a one battery only race so there's no charging stations there's no carrying and i think that's that's an important um thing certainly for this event the bosch emtv challenge is very much about introductory come have a go it's quite a social um it's not super technical there's a great food stop it's very much about the whole vibe of the event and i think that's it's not a serious race okay yes it's race it's time everyone loves to know what time they all want to have a bit of a battle with their mates but it's in a very kind of non-serious way and i think in some ways i think that's where the e-bike racing at this level at the moment kind of is i think it's very much it's mass participation yeah it's it's a fun thing it's not to be taken crazily seriously um and i think that sometimes then you don't have to worry so much about you know am I a 90 kg guy versus a 50 kg girl and is that going to be fair and my battery is 750 what's yours is six yeah that's with this with this kind of vibe of race it's almost like yes it's relevant for sure but it's not the biggest part of it no one's getting too worried about it it's more about going out exploring doing a big loop 30k loop thousand meter climbing but it's relatively I wouldn't say easily because it'll be different it'll be challenging for people in a different way yeah but it's something that you might not normally do and you, you wouldn't probably take your e-bike and go and ride something like that so this yeah. is a chance to try it so it's very much a a kind of fun introductory thing rather than something too serious but yes well i guess that's this is a fun introductory but there are higher level events 
They definitely are, and yeah. Then those factors that you mentioned about ride away and battery, and the, they do come into play. Yep. And those are the issues that have to be, would you say that they're not actually um, set yet? There's still no. a lot of debate going on. There's around. a lot of debate. We're only in year three, four, maybe five max, not even with most of the disciplines, but the racing side is still with very early, early days. And yes, there's definitely standardization of making it fair in whatever way you want to describe fairness is something that we is definitely yet to be determined you know they are scrutinizing bikes at world championships for e-bikes making sure that there is no one going above that 25k an hour um there's there's some stuff we they can check um right away obviously that's down to you if you if you want to go fast up a hill then you need to be light yep. that's the reality of road cycling cross-country mountain biking sport in general i yep. would say when weight support important factor then it's it's not for the manufacturers to worry about it's down to the individual um yeah and some of the other difference between you know different motors there's a huge difference between you know the Bosch's, the shimano's the all sorts of other ones yep. that are you know evolving so but again, that's the same in cars. You know, there's different... Formula One always has a year where someone dominates because they've done something better with their engine that year. So it's... Some of that, I still think, is good, healthy competition that only will drive, you know, improvements, technology, and drive where we go and how we see the e-bike mm. kind of future go. So I think some of it, it needs to be there in many ways. If we all yeah. had to ride the same motor, we all had to be the same weight, it would be... It'll be quite dull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? So that's a good point to just finish on one last thing, which is in e-bike technology has developed so rapidly. Yeah. Um, it's followed the path of, of traditional technology where it suddenly just rockets at the start. So we're still in a very much a sort of a, a, an evolutionary phase. So where, where do you think, let's say we sit down here again in, let's say, three years' time. What do you think we're going to be riding? What are going to be the big differences between e-bikes in three years and e-bikes now? Um, I think as I, I think I don't know. Again, this is I'm not the one that stood out <laughs> Just there. Asking so you to guess. <laughs> I, I'm guessing that we're going to have quite a definitive kind of option of e-bike in terms of that lightweight kind of adventurey cross-country style, which is still there's a few of them out there now, but it's not many. Yeah. I feel like that area still got quite a bit of growth, and I think there will be this more enduro-y, gravity-based bike that people kind of want to go and challenge their skills with, but also have the, the aid of doing more laps of it. So I think we might see more of a, a divide in the bikes in yep. a way, whereas at the moment I feel like they're all kind of trail-y. They yeah. kind of, they all tick that kind of trail box. None of them are really super aggressive downhills. None of them are really, really lightweight. So I think there's going to be more evolution in terms of uh, any bike for a specific purpose going forward. Um, and battery technology is going to be the thing that's going to basically drive that, I think, in terms of how far we can go, how lightweight it becomes. That's right. the thing that's going to be fascinating, I think. Excellent. Obviously. I think that's a great place to finish because we've got to go and ride bikes now. We do. That's the most fun bit of the day. Yes. I think we've been coming under a bit of pressure to... Uh, <laughs> I've seen Lizzie lurking around, so I guess we need to get moving. <laughs> so anyway, Tracy, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, let's go and ride some trails. Yeah, enjoy. All right, thank you. Cheers. Okay. Segway dance. Yeah, we're doing a segway. We're back again. So that was that was Tracy. Uh, some very interesting points you raised there. Anything that particularly jumped out at you, Hannah, with what Tracy had to say about e-biking? I like that she said, "I'm just choosing to do something different." It's not. She's not making excuses for why she's on an e-bike or apologising for being on an e-bike. She's just being a another trail user mm. using the trail in that particular way normalizing it i did try and catch her out with whether she uh, laid off the power as she passed pedestrians on the trail which to my shame is something that i still do i kind of have this i don't want people to know i'm on an e-bike <laughs> but you know that that's that's my shame ben what 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 it, it depends you're on what you're on you'll be on a specialized though won't you so even if you want to say hello you have to uh dial the noise down a bit don't it's you? the noisiest bike in the They're world quite loud it's like all the noisiest cars, isn't it? All the noisiest mm. motorbikes. They've had all the thing removed. All the baffles yeah. removed. <laughs> yeah. So, Ben, uh, e-biking. You you convinced by uh, Tracy's arguments about uh, e-bikes? Is it How much are they going to play a part in your biking future? Uh, I like them as the... as another vehicle. I don't particularly get along with low-power ones at all. As it turns out, <laughs> it's like, 
they're just they're just too similar to normal bikes, and I guess I'm just so I don't know. So fit is what you're about to say. So well, strong is, and hench. There is that, isn't there? It's like <laughs> if you just everything that uh, people like about the low power ones is um you mean me no it's more about my other half actually than things why she likes she doesn't ride as much as me whatever so it still feels feels like you're getting a workout and it doesn't feel like it's any different going downhill and those are what i moan about (laughs) (laughs) bring it back to racing terms we didn't talk about mark's racing which we'll bring it back to in a second was even though you say i've totally missed the whole boat about the whole point of e-bike racing and it's now xc racing with a motor which is just absolutely mm. pointless whereas the proper ones they have power stages don't they yeah and so. that's what you can't do and that it seems to me like one of the best things and the unique things about going on an assisted bike is scrambling up absolutely ridiculous things yes absolutely well good and that's and what like the did. fact you end up riding them like like a motorbike where you yep. don't let go of the you, you keep the system engaged and you slow down with your rear brake. It's yeah. like it's not a it's not a normal push bike. It's a new thing. And it's Absolutely. brilliant. I agree entirely with you about the cross country e bike racing. I see that as utterly pointless. However, stage racing, enduro racing, it was I am absolutely sold. I'm going to go back there next year and spend my own money on an entry, and I'm definitely doing that again. It was the best fun I've had racing uh, for years. It was, it was. Take your traditional enduro. We did seven stages, and some of them were pure downhill. Some of them were actually pure uphill, which is something you wouldn't get in a standard enduro. And then some of them were a mixture of both. And it was one of the the the, the climbing stages was in. It was like going up a vertical wall. It was insane. And there's no way you would have been able to do that on an ordinary bike. And most people couldn't even do it on an e-bike. They had sections of in, in sort of kickstart style, for those of a certain age, if you, you couldn't dab. They had sections where if you put your foot down, you lost 10 seconds. Hmm. And the whole thing was amazing. I absolutely beasted myself. I was, I was dropping on the floor when we got back. And uh, so anybody who says it's easy was... Because the thing is, it doesn't matter, you get the assist, but you're in a race. So you max out everything that you can put in. So it just means that you ride different stuff in a different way. So I am fully, fully behind EMTB Enduro. I think it's amazing. And it opens up new skills because it wasn't all about the downhill. It was about bike handling. Mm. And it was about climbing. And it was about understanding how different an e-bike is to an ordinary bike, just like you say. Tracy took us out the day before for a bit of a coaching session and and I thought, what's she going to teach us about coaching? You know, we were all journalists going, oh God, this is going to be embarrassing, isn't it? What, you know, we've been taught about mountain biking. And I came away with some learnings, honestly. Um, one of the things that Tracy said was, uh, she said, hairpins going uphill. If you're, in, if you're in a race mode, you'll be boosting. If you try and boost around a hairpin, you put yourself in danger. You usually throw yourself on the outside and it's really hard to control. So totally intuitively, the way to do that is you put the brakes on. So you put the brakes on, you pedal against the brakes. So you put the motor and the brakes against it, which is something you would never do on an ordinary bike. Makes no Mm. sense. And all those hot tips worked, clearly, because you had a top half finish in your triumphant return. And not just in the advanced section as well. You weren't like in some old duffers section, were you? Yeah, I didn't. Just to be clear, I didn't enter myself in the advanced category. That was done by Bosch. And it's not something I would have done. But anyway, they just make these assumptions, don't they? Oh, journos, they're like nearly pro racers, these guys. How how wrong they are. Uh, Yeah, so I was in the advanced category and I, I think I came 45. First out of about 110, so I'm happy with that. No age categories. And I'd just like to point out, I am 51. So I'm very, very pleased with that result. <laughs> How far was it? It was 30k in total. Okay. How many uh, it was more than 30k because it's a navigation thing as well. Okay. Um, and uh, we complete, because journos, you just expect you go on a press launch, you're just going to ride around and someone's going to lead you. But no, this was a race. So suddenly we were thrown into, oh, right, you, we actually have to navigate. That 30 turned into 35 in the end because there was a few navigational errors along the way. But great fun. Shall we leave it there, guys? Cool. I think we can talk oh. about how great you are for a bit longer if you want. <laughs> should we? Should we? Should we really? Do you think they, the listeners really want to hear more about that? 
So we'll leave it there then. If you if you want to know more about that motor that we've just been talking about for ages, then head over to our website. The full report is there. I think there's probably some video in that as well. And uh, the new issue of the magazine is on its way out soon. So watch out for that arriving. And don't forget that you can still join us now as a full member. There's a free gift for you. Remember that code at the start, FREEBELL03. Use that at checkout. You get yourself a nice free bell with your membership. So, and you can also, I think, uh, Hannah, we can pre-order the magazine now, can we? You can, yes. It's in the shop. So if you just want that one copy because you want to read about uh, formation or my weekend with a group of Muslim women learning to mountain bike or kids' bikes or, uh, ooh, what else? Pete going up a mountain in Scotland. All of these things. Excellent. They're in it. And uh, Ben, where can people read about your STEM? <laughs> Is it featuring Fresh Goods? It will do, yeah. It'll be Fresh Goods. uh, Just search for Thompson. Yeah, watch out for Fresh Goods for Ben's stem. Measure your grips. Measure your grips. There you go. There's the tip. And we'll leave it right there. So that's all from us. So till next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.